111b, towards the middle of the page, and we are beginning the last Mishnah of this parak of this chapter, as we are uh, about uh, a page and a half away from completing this chapter. Uh, and this is the last Mishnah. This Mishnah continues the topic of uh, a rabbinic marriage, uh, but it's really more focusing on Yibam. Uh, not necessarily the rabbinic marriage itself, but what happens if Kitanim, if uh, minors, children under the age of 12 or 13, they are involved in Yibam. So by way of introduction to this Mishnah, uh, it's important to point out that so we will be discussing different scenarios, either where the brother-in-law is a minor, is under the age of 13, or the sister-in-law is under the age of 12, or both. Uh, but there's a big, big dispute amongst the early commentators, amongst the Rishonim, exactly how to view such a yibum, such a situation. Um, the Gemara says that when they perform yibum, even though they have bia, they have sexual relations, which would, in, in a regular case, act as yibum. However, when it comes to uh, minors, when they're un- when they're under the age of of twelve or thirteen, so the the it's it's viewed the rabbis view it as mimer. It's not viewed as yibum, but it's viewed as the rabbinic form of mimer of uh, the equivalent of let's say an adult would were to give a ring <coughs> or a marriage document. So that only works on a rabbinic level. So so to here it only it, on, on a rabbinic level it's viewed as mimer. Now the big dispute is mimer is sort of like the the middle approach. It's not nothing. It's not Yibum, it's not the complete thing either. It's somewhere in the middle. So the big dispute is before the rabbis instituted and said that this is a mimer, it's somewhere in the middle, what was it beforehand? On a biblical level, what do we view it as? Do we view it as nothing? Do we view it as everything? What do we view it as on a biblical level? So this is a big dispute. Some of the commentators say that it's actually Yibum, complete Yibum actually took place. Um, but the rabbis said that because we're dealing with minors, so therefore they sort of took it down a notch and said that it's not actually Yibam, but it's Mimer. But it's uh, we're going to view it as, as Mimer, as this rabbinic form of, uh, of of an engagement, but not actual Yibam. Other commentators say that, no, it's absolutely nothing. You can't tell me that it's something. It's absolutely nothing. Um, potential, uh, we'll explain why in a second, but it's, it's absolutely nothing. The rabbis gave it significance. They gave it some significance. Why would it be viewed as nothing? So it makes more sense to view it as nothing, because in general we say that a minor cannot perform regular transactions or a change in status. They don't have the, enough of an awareness, enough knowledge, and so therefore that would make sense. Uh, why would you say that it's everything? So perhaps you could explain that it's everything because the way the mitzvah of Yibam takes place um, is through uh, a kinyan, is through, is through a, 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 some form of a, uh, of a change in status through having sexual relations and it's some, some, some sort of transaction or, or change of status. And when it comes to a katan, when it comes to a minor, so in this case, maybe this case is different because there's already an automatic connection that was created by the Torah, by God. Created this zika, created this connection automatically, uh, just uh, without uh, doing anything. There is a connection between the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law, and this is just a completion of it. So maybe something actually does take place, and the rabbis took it down a notch and said that it's only viewed as mimer. So that is that is a, a big dispute um, with regards to exactly how to view this type of uh, this type of yibam. Other other 
uh, points to mention is that number one, um, even though according to some it's not viewed as yibum, nevertheless we don't view this as a biblical prohibition to marry your sister-in-law. In general, we say there's a biblical prohibition to marry your sister-in-law. The one exception is the exception that this is, entire Masechta is about. The name of the Masechta, the tractate, is about Yevamos. It's about doing the mitzvah of Yibam, that uh, to marry your sister-in-law is only allowed in this context when your brother, who is the deceased husband, uh, passes away without any children. Uh, so even though there's no mitzvah of Yibam, according to some, uh, but nevertheless, there is no. it's clear that there is no prohibition, as we'll see in the Mishnah, there's no prohibition to... Um, uh, to have sexual relations with your sister-in-law because ultimately, probably ultimately, it will lead to the mitzvah of Yibam. Once he gets older, once she gets older, it will lead to the mitzvah of Yibam and so therefore uh, there is no prohibition to uh, have sexual relations with your sister-in-law. The last point to mention is going to be discussed in the Gemara is that we've seen in the past that there is that one of the ideas behind Yibam, and this is explicit in the Torah, is Lahakim Lachim Shem. It's to give a name to the deceased brother, seemingly through the children that you'll have. But at this point in time, as a minor, you're not able to have children. So how exactly does this work? Many of the commentators, uh, they ask this question. How is Yibam even going to work in this case? You're not able to have kids. Uh, so perhaps the answer is, is that they don't have to have the ability to have kids right now, but they have to have the potential to have to have kids. And, and we know that uh, as they get older, they will most likely have the potential to have kids. Uh, and so therefore it would work uh, through that, but we'll also see that the Gemara itself addresses this, and we'll see uh, how the Gemara deals with this. Okay, that is the introduction, so let's move on to the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, If both the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law are under the age of 12 or 13, so then they have to they live with each other. They You cannot do, can't get divorced, they, they, you can't uh, do chalitza, they already did yibam. So they have to continue to live with each other until um, they are uh, 12 and 13. If the brother-in-law is a minor and he his sister-in-law is an adult um, and they did Yibam, so then again, here too, they also have to stay together until he reaches the age of 13. They have to stay with each other and uh, they can live with each other and they can have sexual relations. They, they, they can live with each other. That is all case number one, and that's really what we're going to be focusing on in the Gemara for case number one. We'll just read the rest of the Mishnah, and we'll discuss that in the next recordings. The Gemara will address the, the next couple of cases, but we'll read it because it's in the Mishnah now. Next case is, A sister-in-law who says that uh, they, they claim to have been living with each other, they they they... It looks like they did Yibam, but she makes the claim that we never had sexual relations. We never actually did Yibam, so please have him do Chalitza, because we've never actually had sexual relations. So then we force him. If, it's with, if she says makes such a claim within 30 days, we force him. If, it's, if she makes the claim after 30 days, so then we don't actually assume that they've been living with each other in the same house for over 30 days and they never had sexual relations, that we uh, wouldn't believe. And so therefore, we assume that they did do Yibam. And so... Even though uh, she she would have to have a divorce document, but we also re- we make a request. We don't believe her, but we make a request to the brother-in-law to also do chalitza. Because based on what she's saying, that they never had sexual relations, we don't believe her for this. But based on what she's saying, she still has to do chalitza. So we ask of him. We don't require it, but we ask of him to do chalitza. 
But if it's Manchu Moda, if Kofen. But if they both agree to it, if they both agree and say that they never had sexual relations, even if it was after a year, so then we force him to do Chalitza. Kofen Okay, that is all basically topic number two of the Mishnah. And then the last topic of the Mishnah is also a different case. And it's a case where it says, Let's say he, she is married to her husband. Her husband's alive, and she doesn't like her brother-in-law. They got into some sort of fight. And she says, I will not get any benefit. She takes a, what's referred to as a neder, an oath, a vow, that she will not get any benefit from him. And then, not because of the yibum, but because she just doesn't like him for whatever reason. Um, they don't get along. And her husband passes away without any kids. So we say that they can't do yibam because if they did yibam, the act of sexual relations, she would benefit from that. And so we force the brother-in-law to do chalitza. However, if her intention the whole time is clear that it was uh, to get out of yibam, and she even says this is a case where after her husband passed away, before she's doing yibam or chalitza, she takes a vow, an oath, that uh, she will never get any benefit from him. So in that case, so she... She did it improperly because there's a value to doing yibam, and she did it explicitly to get out of yibam. So therefore, we just request from him to do chalitza. We don't force him to do chalitza, but we make a request. Listen, she doesn't want to get involved in this, so please, uh, please do chalitza. And similarly, if while she's married to her husband, it's clear that she takes this uh, vow and oath to uh, never get any benefit. <laughs> and never get any benefit from her brother-in-law, but it's clear that the reason why she's doing this is to get out of Yibam. So then in that case also, it's improper, and therefore we ask of the brother-in-law, once the brother passes away, we ask of the brother-in-law uh, to do Chalitza. We don't force it upon him because she did this improperly, but we ask of him to do Chalitza. That, that is case number three. Essentially, case number one is about uh, Yibam with, in the context of children who are under the age of 12 or 13. Case number two is a case where she's making the claim that she actually never did Yibam, even though it looks like they did Yibam and they're living with each other, but they never actually had sexual relations. And then case number three is the case where she ma- she makes a uh, an oath that she will never get benefit from her brother-in-law, and so therefore she's sort of forcing upon him that they can't do Yibam. What are the ramifications in terms of that? So right now, for the rest of this Gemara, now we will focus on just uh, the first case, the first case of the fact that if you have... Uh, if there are minors involved, so then we tell them that they should continue to live with each other uh, and continue until after they reach uh, above the age of 12 or 13, and then they are doing Yibum. So the Gemara says, Lema Masisin Maybe our Mishnah is not like Rav Meir. Why? What did Rav Meir say? The Tanya Rav Meir said, as we say in the Brisa, Rav Meir is of the opinion uh, that a minor cannot do Chalitza and cannot do Yibum. Why not? Because Rameyer is concerned that, uh, in general, we have a principle of Rameyer that, in general, we go based on the majority. And Rameyer is concerned, perhaps on a rabbinic level, to say that, no, maybe we also have to be concerned about uh, about uh, unlikely scenarios. And so, therefore, he's concerned that they're going to grow up and they're going to be what we refer to as a Sris or an islandess, uh, people who can't have children. And if these are people who can never have children then the whole concept of Yibam and doesn't apply to them. <coughs> and so therefore, uh, we cannot have them do Yibam as a minor because maybe 
they, they're just totally not involved within this entire discussion of Yibam because they can't have children. And then it's like they're having sexual relations with their sister-in-law outside the context of the mitzvah, which is not allowed. So maybe our mission is not like Remeyer because Remeyer says that if they are minors, so then it uh, we, they shouldn't do Yibam because maybe they can never have kids. We're concerned and we're, and we're, uh, we're worried about what happens in an unlikely scenario. So the Gemara says, no, I feel the same Remeyer. No, the Mishnah could be like Remeyer. Ki am Remeyer gedol l'katan v'katan l'gadol d'chad minay b'yavdisuruhu avakatan abalakatan d'zervay k'adadin in hulo amar. No, Remeyer could fit within our Mishnah. Why? What's the case of our Mishnah? It's where they're both minors. They're both under the age of uh, 12 or 13. And so therefore, in that, the only time he says that we're concerned and that they're going to be violating uh, a commandment, they're going to, uh, they're uh, having sexual relations with uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law outside the context of Yibam, uh, that's only it's only a, a real concern if one of them is an adult and therefore they're really obligated to keep the commandments. But once they're both children, once they're both minors, so they're not obligated to keep the commandments. And so therefore he would say that uh, even though it's true that uh, in general we're concerned for an unlikely scenario, but in this case, what's gonna what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? They're not even commanded in the commandments, which happens to be an interesting point. That uh, what how do we view the status of of a minor, of a, of a child under the age of 12 or 13, with regards to mitzvos, with regards to the commandments, do we say that they are actually obligated in the commandments, but there are no repercussions, they're not punished for it, or do we say that they're not obligated at all? It seems from here to say that uh, they're not obligated at all. That's what it sounds like, that they're not obligated at all in the uh, in the commandments. Um, uh, so that's, that's, that's what the Gemara wants to suggest, that even according to Meir, uh, the Mishnah could fit within Rav Meir because we're dealing here with a scenario where they are both under the age of 12 and 13. So the word says, but that's not true. That might be the first case of the Mishnah, but that's not the second case of the Mishnah. But we just said in the Mishnah that if the brother-in-law is a minor, but the sister-in-law is an adult, so that they still stay with each other. So Amr B'chanin al-Chazah Ba'ashayni Ba'hadagadanu Kamar Dekol Bia V'biya Disuruhu So B'chanin first wants to say that no, it means that they already had, did Yibam. They already did Yibam. So then we're going to say that they could stay with each other. But the Gemara says staying with each other means that they're going to have sexual relations in the future. That they can't do because she is a Gedola. She's an adult. And according to her mayor, we have to be concerned that maybe he cannot have kids. And this is not the context of Yibam because if you can't ever have kids, so then you cannot do, you're not in the context of Yibam. And it's a prohibition. Not only is it not a mitzvah, it's a prohibition. Um, and so therefore, which is, according to Remeyer, it, it, should, it should not be allowed. So the Gemara says, you're right. The Mishnah is not like Remeyer. We cannot say that the Mishnah uh, is like Remeyer because Remeyer would say never to have Yibam, never to have sexual relations to perform Yibam because maybe they really are not obligated in Yibam because uh, they turn out to be uh, people who can't have kids. And so therefore, it really turns into a prohibition. And so therefore, he says, you can never do Yibam. That is the first half <coughs> of this Gemara. The second half of the Gemara discusses the point that we mentioned in the Mishnah about the fact that, what about the fact that at this stage, at this point in time, they cannot have kids. And an essential part of Yibam is to continue the legacy of the deceased husband. And that means you have to have the ability at least to have kids. So the Gemara, the Mishnah, the, sorry, the Gemara says, Kari kan lakim shem, bar but they're not able to have kids um, at this point in time. So Amr Abaye, Amr Kra, Yevama Yava, Aleha, Koldahu, 
Abaye says that the verse says Yavamu Yava Aleha that uh, the Yavam has sexual relations with the Yavama, the brother-in-law with the sister-in-law. It means any form of a sister-in-law, meaning even if it, even if they're minors, he he expounds upon the verse to say even if they are minors, that there is um, no issue with Lahakim Lachav Shim with the fact that uh, they're not able to have continue the legacy at this point in time. So again, here too, there's a discussion. What exactly are we are we talking about? So some want to say we're talking about the mitzvah of Yibam, that the, the uh, minors are, are, we see from this verse that they're obligated in Yibam. But we pointed out that others say that no, on a biblical level it's like nothing. And what the Gemara here is explaining is just, even though you have not performed Yibam, but we know that there's no prohibition to marry your sister-in-law in this case. Even though in general we say there is a prohibition to have sexual relations with your sister-in-law. So the verse is coming to tell you that even though there's no mitzvah of Yibam, because they're still under the age of 12 or 13, they're still minors, but they... Uh, remo- they have removed the prohibition of marrying your sister-in-law because um, because of this verse. That's the position of Abayi. Rav says no. Rav Amar Belav Hachinami Lomasis Amaris Mika Midi Dehashta Asirale Ulabasar Shaisa Sharia. Rav says very simple. How do I know that they are that that uh, the either that the mitzvah even still applies or the fact that there's no prohibition to marry your sister-in-law even if there is no mitzvah? How do I know that exists? Because once this uh, child gets older and is above the age of 13 or above the age of 12. So then they are obligated in Yibam. And we never have a scenario where they're not obligated and then they become obligated. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Uh, but, so the Gemara says, uh, He basically says that we never have a scenario where if you weren't obligated in the beginning, so then you turn into becoming obligated. So the Gemara says, but maybe it's true. Maybe any time you have a brother-in-law or sister-in-law where at the time of the death they are a minor uh, and they're not able to uh, have kids at that point in time, maybe we'll say that even as they get older, they're still they're no longer obligated. Maybe that's true what Rav is saying. Rav wants to bring a proof and say, oh, it must be that they're obligated because if they weren't obligated at that time, then they'll never be obligated. The Gemara says, well, maybe they'll never be obligated. Even if, at, even if they get older, and nothing was done, they still can't do Yibam. So the Gemara says, no. Uh, the Gemara answers that, no. We know that there's a principle that uh, the only time that there's Yibam is if the brother was alive, uh, the live brother was alive, at, same at, together with the deceased brother. They lived, uh, they overlapped with each other, but if they never overlap with each other, that if the deceased husband passes away before the brother's born, so then there is no mitzvah yibam. But the implication is that as long as they were alive at some point in time together, even if it was for a short amount of time, even if the live brother is a minor and, and uh, didn't live for a long amount of time, even if it was just uh, one day, so then they are obligated in the mitzvah yibam. So we see that they are in fact, uh, or at least either obligated in the mitzvah yibam or even if there is no mitzvah yibam as a minor, but they there no longer is a prohibition to marry your sister-in-law, even if you're not fulfilling the mitzvah yibam. Uh, but we see in the end of the day that according to both Abayah and Rava, we see from the verse itself, the verse itself teaches us that um, there is no problem of l'hakim l'ach of shame, but the fact that they can't have kids right now. And some of the commentators explain, well, the point is, is that since in the future they will be able to, uh, so therefore they removed, uh, they, they are people who eventually could have children, so therefore they would fall under this general category of people who could do yibam. 
Okay, so this concludes uh, this part of the Gemara, which analyzed the first case, and then in the next recording we will analyze the second case.